Welcome, folks, to a very special edition of Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am one of your hosts this week, Chris Peterson. Joining me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? Oh, Mr. Wonderful. What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? I'm ready to rock. Chris, this is a very special episode. This is a tradition we started last year. Um, something that uh, some podcasts that I listen to, they get into. Um, and I think it's uh, kind of cool. So welcome, everyone. Yeah. Welcome to the end of the year. I hope it was a good one, better than 2020. I mean, mm. I think anything's better than 2020. Maybe like, when was the Spanish flu? 1918? Maybe, <laughs> maybe that was a bad year. I watched right. that on uh, on Downton. Didn't seem like a good year. So yeah. Uh, yeah, the Duchess died, <laughs> so that sucked. Um, spoiler alert. Yeah, but. spoiler alert uh, for those of you who yeah. were thinking about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, crazy, crazy year. Glad to be done with it. Um, glad to be moving on to bigger and brighter things uh, for 2022. I hope, like, we can only <laughs> we can only hope at this point. Um, but yeah, it was a crazy up and down year. But, but what Ben and I like to do is basically go through a lot of the categories that we typically talk about on this podcast from movies to music uh, to TV to streaming videos to just reading stuff. Um, basically kind of going out there and, and seeing what were our favorites for this year. And um, I have no idea what is on Ben's list, uh, you know, basically for these, these things. And he has no idea what's on mine um, either. So you really do get um, some pretty nice uh, variations and uh, some pretty good discussions. So I'm looking forward to getting into all of it. So let's yeah, kick it yeah, off. Yeah, Chris, you know, you know what's crazy? As I was as I was getting, before, you know, as we're in the intro phase, um, as I was getting this list together, even though, you know, Chris, we do like the pod once, twice a month for 12 mm -hmm. months straight, right? We're pretty, mm -hmm. we're, uh, you know, on a uh, schedule. We're pretty good. You'd be surprised as I'm going through like the best of the year on some of these categories, I'm like, I'm picking stuff that, I'd even talk about on this entertainment podcast. Isn't that nuts? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's like crazy how things can slip through the cracks. So you'll get stuff on this podcast that I, you know, I'll bring up week weekly stories. I'll bring up stuff that I've seen in the theaters, but sometimes it takes a year to kind of reflect. You saw something you're like, man, that was probably the best movie of the year, you know? So, um, Yeah. That's 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 my thoughts on this. Just there's so much media out there nowadays, and I think the pandemic got us used to ingesting a large amount of media. So that's why yeah. this podcast is banging, bro. I love it. I love it. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, Ben, our first category is best movie. What is the best movie that you saw? In, or I'm, I'm skipping around comments. It's actually not the, the first category on my list. Right? That's okay. That's okay, baby. Anyway. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Let's do it. Best movie. Um... Go ahead, my friend. What do you got? All right. So I had a couple movies, and I kind of kept a tally going for this one. Um, Chris, you know, uh, 2021, we were able to get out to the theaters a little more. You know, um, I can't tell you when uh, Katie Cat and I went to our first movie, probably like May, June of this year, mm -hmm. something like that. You know, up here, we have way less people than Connecticut or Georgia, so we're able to kind of space out up here. So, um I like to give some shout outs to some movies. Uh, I mean, I just recently saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, there you go. That's, that's on to gross one of the, like the, the biggest grossing movies of all time. It's the most watched trailer of all time in cinema history, which is like insane. Um, there, I just want to give some shout outs. Uh, so I don't think that's movie of the year for me. Uh, I saw 
a couple months ago when we were doing our summer broadcast, I watched the movie Summer of Soul, the Quest Love documentary about the Harlem 1970s um, Soul Festival. Yeah. I thought that was movie of the year. That, to me, that was movie of the year. I saw Green Knight this year. That was great. Um, still, like there wasn't a lot released this year as far as I could see. Um, we went to go see Werewolves Within. You know, it might be one of my faves. might be one of my re- most rewatchable movies of the year. I might go back and watch that one more, more than everyone. Uh, than anyone. Um, I, Wes Anderson came out with The French Dispatch. I thought that was one of his best. I thought that was very Wes Anderson-y. Um, it might be a little hard to get into if you're not into that style of movie, but I, you know, I love Wes Anderson, but Chris hands down the movie event of the year for me was easily Beatles get back. There it is. This movie, if you call it a movie, this thing, um, in our lifetimes, in our parents' lifetimes, there has never been an event cinema wise like this. Uh, this is a, you know, there's documentaries out there that are, you know, historic documents of a period and stuff. This is just, it's, it's a time capsule that we got to kind of go in and depending on your home theater, how you watch this. I mean, I watched this on my, um, brother-in-law's like 80 inch television and like on a sound bar. And I've watched it. I watched the rooftop concert over in my man cave in 6.1 with the sub going, this is highly rewatchable, highly ingestible. I, I, even if you're not even a Beatles fan, if you're a music fan, it's hard to get away from this thing. We had a long talk about it last pod, and it's hard for me to even think about other movies when I think about this movie. Um, so there you go, Chris. That is my movie pick of the year. What do you think? What do you think of my list? What do you think of my pick? I mean, I, I see nothing wrong with what you're picking. I mean, those are all everything you just mentioned. Uh, with the exception of the Green Knight, which I haven't seen yet, which I need to get onto, um, we're kind of in my like top fifteen, top twenty, like you know, all top ten, like they were all there. And you know, when I was making my list, I, I was thinking about a couple things. I was thinking about quality, obviously, um, but I was also thinking about entertainment. Like, what's the entertainment meter? How entertained am I? And um, especially coming out of COVID, especially coming out of the kind of the attitudes and, and doldrums that we've kind of been suffering through for the past year or so. Um, right, know, Chris. Um, and, and also, didn't we talk about on the podcast how we there was a bunch last year, nothing was getting produced, and we were handed a bunch of shelfer movies, you know, movies that had yep. been sitting on a shelf for a couple of years, and we're like, wait a second, this movie with, I don't know, Denise Richards and Peter Gallagher, this is a new movie? I don't think so. <laughs> Exactly. So, I just made that up, by the way. I don't know if that's a real movie, but <laughs> sounds great. It might as well be. It sounds great. I, I, I'm there doing one. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I was thinking about like yeah, like things that like that entertained me, that made me feel like it was worth it, like going to the theater again. And um, you know, there were a couple like high on my list. Um, you know, this was the year where movie musicals kind of made a comeback, and mm-hmm. we saw. A ton of them from from in the heights um and west side story that were really well done and uh, i was like fantastic i saw plenty of campy movies that i was like i don't care about plot i don't care about acting quality i care about just turning my brain off for an hour and having fun and you know the mortal Kombat reboot was, oh, was yeah. perfect for that um which was great movie candy great movie amazing. candy 
All right. I, it was just fantastic. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, though, and I, I said to myself, okay, between quality and fun and just saying, like, I just sat through um, an experience in a way that I, I just walked out saying, like, I would go right back into this theater and, and see this again immediately. Um, I, I have to go with The Many Saints of Newark on that pick. So my soprano prequel movie, uh, The Many Saints, that is my pick um, for, for my best Whoa, movie. Whoa, yeah. buddy. Whoa. <laughs> out of left field, right? Out of left field. Um, wow. Like, what makes I, that? I, what makes that? So entertainment and quality, what makes that exceed all others this year? You know, I think it, I, I think it's, first of all, I love, I obviously love The Sopranos. Right. Um, and just revisiting that kind of that world again was fantastic. But I looked at it this way and I said, if, if this is the trend of that Hollywood is doing, where they're kind of going back through their IP and figuring out ways that they can create new content, this is the shining beacon of how to do it the right way, where like nothing feels forced, like, oh, this is how Han Solo got his jacket. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, your name's like, Solo because you're by yourself. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, like, oh, I get it. Like, you know, oh, he chipped his tooth on that fighting that bread, and that's why he chipped his tooth. Like, they, they didn't, that movie has none of those things in it. And right. What I loved about the many Sanders of Newark is it, it was almost like you you could have watched it having zero knowledge of Sopranos at all, and still enjoy it. Um, it serves it's a great mafia film, uh, irregardless. And yeah, I think it it does it, it nailed the perfect line of telling a compelling story with with that included fan service without going overboard or too on the nose with it. And so. It's it's just for me. It was like yes, this is exactly how these things should be made uh, going forward. The performances that were amazing. I love the acting ensemble. Uh, you know, you had you had people that were known, obviously people that were bigger stars and others, but it didn't feel like the movie was dominated by you know a singular presence by someone. Like um, you know, if they put like. Pacino or De Niro on this thing. It would have been way, the focus would have been all off and you, you might not be able to concentrate as an ensemble piece. So um, I really like that as well. So, and, and, and more importantly, it made me want a completely different series now. I, after that movie, I was like, I'm ready for, I'm ready for five seasons of this. Let's go. Hmm. So um, that's why I, I just, I just had one of the most enjoyable times um, watching that movie uh, all year. So that's, that's why I get my pick. And sadly, great, I don't think it's going to get much attention come towards the years, which is a shame. But um, we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, that's really interesting. I mean, because your pick, you're right, Chris. Your pick has to be quality quality, and also accessible. I feel like that's mm -hmm. what our podcast is. Because I listen to other podcasts about film or um, movies and entertainment and stuff. And sometimes they get so highbrow, they get in their way. And they have the most snobby picks. And I'm like, who's watching this stuff? Like, I, yeah, it might be a critical darling show or TV or movie or whatever. It's like, but I'm not going to watch this. Like, I'm not going to sit through like right. an insufferable bore of a show just to say, oh, you know what I watched this weekend? You know what I mean? Like, I want to be entertained. Yeah. Like, like I want to, like you said, it, it's, 
you want like a combination fan service. Like you want to bring what the fans want or movie watchers want, but also you want to bring critical, critical and crowd pleasing success. And, you know, there's been a lot out there, but you know, I think that's kind of the criteria going down our list. I think that's the criteria I tried to go for as well. And then of course, you know, Chris, we have our own personal bias, which comes with all reviewing and all <laughs> picks on this podcast. We, we do not shy away from our personal bias at all on this podcast. Not at all. Not at all. Definitely not. But, <laughs> oh, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Way to kick good us stuff, off. Great, man. Good picks both all around. So yeah. let's work on the music, my friend. Let's do, let's do it. Best album of the year. Hit me. Why don't you, why don't you go? Why don't you go first? You want me to go first? Go. Okay, I'll, I'll go first. So I, I this was a year where um, – I, 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 I won't lie. I didn't go outside my comfort zone much with music this year. I didn't, I was not as nearly exploratory as I should have been. I kind of, you know, if I heard a song, singular song that I was like, Hey, that sounds like a bop. I'll, I'll check out the album and things like that. So that's, that's what kind of led me to a lot of my music listening to this year. Okay. So I won't lie. Like, you know, Taylor Swift's um, album that she put out that kind of like, you know, redoing some for classics. I was like, hey, okay, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, I, I I really dig um, Adele. So obviously, you know, anytime she puts out anything, it's it's an event. But I'm gonna go with uh, a suggestion that you turned me on to, where I was like, okay, I'll listen to this. Loved one song, and then I kept moving through the album, and I was like, holy crap, this whole album is just entertaining. It's art. It's funny it's my head's bopping uh, i'm gonna go with silk sonics an evening with silk sonic very good excellent right. excellent right. chris break break down what silk sonic is who's in silk sonic for the people at home so it's 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 like it's almost like the avengers coming together right. it's, it's, it's <laughs> basically bruno mars who i'm a yep. huge fan of and anderson pock who i'm a huge fan of so oh. it's like two oh guys I, that like have completely different sounds, but yet when they're together, oh my god, oh my yeah. god, it's it's like how how have these guys not been together since day one? Um, but it is, you know, not that it's like I, I don't I don't consider them like a parody of they're not, they're not spoofing anything, but like it's hard not to like giggle when you hear some of the lyrics on their songs, um, you know. So it's just smooth. It's they're just too. Really smooth guys who who know exactly what they're they're in command of everything. I mean, you're talking about two guys working with every you know uh, weapon in their arsenal of talent and charisma and everything. Like it's it's just fun. And then when you watch them perform live, it's even better. So um, oh my god, yeah, that live performance on YouTube is it? Uh, which one is it? Smoking out the window? Do they do the window. Oh my god, and yeah. you're like. Because you watch the video and you're like, oh, that's cool. They memorize the song for the video. But no, they really know these songs like through back and forward and they can perform and dance. Uh, just the talent is outrageous. It's outrageous. So Silk Sonic, um, get on it because it is you know, fantastic album. Download it. it it's, worth it. it's worth whatever it costs to download. Probably more than that. It's worth its weight in gold. Honestly, if you just love music and musicianship yeah. and talent. Oh. Um, that's my pick. There you go. You know what, Chris? I totally agree with that pick. I, I don't know if it's it's not Weird Al in parody. No. Because I, I love 
70s soul and R&B, you know, like talking like Barry mm-hmm. White and Curtis Mayfield is one of my favorite Marvin Gaye, all that stuff. Anything on Soul Train, I freaking love. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And they're but they're taking that style and making new songs. It's not like they're taking like, um, you know, Pusher Man and then replacing the lyrics like Weird Al would do or something like that. Right. They're, they're doing something their own, but they're just in that style, in that vein. And Anderson Pack, the way he produces the way he plays drums and sings i mean and then bruno mars being the high guy you know hitting the high notes is just mm. how do you not I, I don't understand and maybe it's just geared towards our generation because they're older perform at this point you know they're probably you know early 30s guys or something like that and so i don't know if kids are getting into it but i love the videos the videos are funny the lyrics are funny especially smoking out the window and then fly like me that video is great they just keep coming out with great videos for each song, and they're just awesome. Like, Chris, great pick, dude. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I know. A lot of fun. And thank you for, for bringing it to my attention because it's led to so many uh, car rides where I'm just bopping in my seat. So, absolutely. <laughs> well, and it's and it's just like we were saying, it's accessible. I mean, by the end of my first listen to Fly Like Me, the, I, like, I didn't hear that song until I heard the video, like, you know, last month. And I was singing along to the chorus – by the end of the song, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Like, like name another song where I, I had this, the chorus memorized and it was so funny. I'm laughing while I'm singing it. It's great. Love it. What do you got for my friend? All right. So let me, I do my rundown. I, I, I got to mention some of my runners up of the year. So, um, Christian Sands is a great, uh, jazz pianist. He came out with a water, um, an album called be like water, um, Ooh. which is, based on the Bruce Lee line, Be Like Water. Um, and this album, Smooth, he does a cover of Can't Find My Way Back Home, jazz version. So awesome. Such a listenable album. I've listened to it many times. Put it in the background. Listen to it when I'm driving. Christian Sands, so great. And he's produced a lot. He's I, I think he's an American performer, but he does a lot in uh, Great Britain. So uh, check him out, Christian Sands. I, I feel like he is... Up and coming in the jazz world. He's pretty big in the jazz world. And you know me, I'm a jazz head. Uh, speaking of jazz, um, I Told You So is an album by the Delvin Lamar Organ Trio. I found these guys on YouTube. Um, these guys are so smooth. The, um, they have a guitarist, Jimmy James, in the band. He's great. Delvin Lamar on the organ has that old school Rhodes organ. It's a th- three or four piece. I think it's a three piece. And they just put out so much great music. Um, the album's called um, I Told You So. On the album, they do a a, a cover of Careless Whisper by, uh, is that Wham or is that uh, George Michael? That's George Michael by himself. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but check out Careless Whisper by Delvin Lamar Organ Trio. My God. It, like Because I love jazz music and I love when people take melodies that you like and like freaking flip them and twist them and you're just like so you're humming the song and it, it's so good um but my album of the year chris um is an album that has been released like piecemeal so i i, I appreciate how these guys released this album i think that most artists should do this um so they released a single they released two three singles and then they released all the the album on spotify which was kind of cool because <laughs> On Spotify, you think, oh, these guys are just releasing one song. Oh, I love this song. So um, the album is From Dreams to Dust by the Felice Brothers. So the Felice Brothers is a folksy Americana band that 
I've talked about, I think on the podcast before, uh, Felice is spelled F E L I C E. So great. This album includes just like, you know what? And maybe, maybe we were on the same page this year. I'm not going to say it's parody music, but it's definitely tongue in cheek in some songs. So one song in particular, um, it's called the Inferno and it starts very somber. It sounds like this very kind of brooding on kind of folksy slow Dylan song. And you're like, Oh, okay. What's going on here? But then there's one line in it and he says, Who's that sitting on the banks of the Rio Grande? It's Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's Jean-Claude Van Damme. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason why he's singing this, it's kind of like Man on the Moon by R.E.M. He's singing about stuff that he used to like when he was 14 years old. So um, it's really interesting. And you start laughing because then you start thinking about your child. And I I don't know about you, Chris. Well, I do know about you. You, We loved Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal. All those (laughs) five. Friend of the pod. Friend of the yeah. pod. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it just brought me back. And like, just like Man on the Moon by R.E.M. brought back people in the 70s when they were kids there. It, it kind of spoke to me. But the song and musicianship is great, too. And I've listened to this song over. I'll send this one to you, Chris. I've listened to this song over and over again. And I, the way he sings it with his very serious approach, you're like, is this guy like fucking around or is he trying to be serious with these references? It's not like man on the moon where man on the moon is well, man on the moon is kind of messing around too, talking about Andy Kaufman and all that stuff too. So I just thought it's a great song, great album jazz on the Autobahn. One of my favorite songs. So check these guys out, Chris, you'll love it. They're irreverent. I think irreverence the word I'm looking for Yeah. where they'll just, Sometimes they say words to, that rhyme with other words, and you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. But then they'll get deep and philosophical. It's it's all over the place. It's very Dylan-esque, but it has this kind of Americana accordion acoustic guitar kind of, um, I don't know, like New Orleans vibe to it, too. Um, mm-hmm. These guys are from, I think, New York State. They're from the Albany area. And they I saw them in concert a couple of years ago. So great. Um, so this is my album of the year. I couldn't stop listening to it <laughs> until recently, but now that I'm talking about it, I think I'm going to dive back in. So Chris, that's my album pick of the year. Definitely check it out. Um, from D- dreams to dust by the fleece brothers. Love it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. Best TV show. You, go mm. you ready? Ready. Heavy. Chris, I had no runners up. Whoa. Okay. I just had one winner this year. Um, in my opinion, this show blew everything out of the water as far as writing, acting, story, directing, um, and production value. Production value is very important on a show like this. I believed every second of it. All the actors were great. I believe that this is going to be at least, I don't know if it's going to be as big as Ted Lasso, even though Ted Lasso was great this year. Um, this show just blew it out of the water. The show is the white Lotus. Oh, okay. The white Lotus to me encompassed everything I love about quality television, great writing, funny scenes, dramatic scenes, uh, messed up scenes, uh, characters I cared about characters. I couldn't give a shit about (laughs) somehow. Um, it was able to make me feel things for some characters and then be very objective about other characters. Um, 
And there's been a lot of uh, Emmy talk about the sun on the show. There's been a lot of Emmy talk about um, as far as the writing of the show. Chris, hands down, The White Lotus was my favorite movie watching experience. Everyone that I knew, whether they be a giant movie nerd, cinema nerd, whatever, or just like a layman that just watches stuff. Everyone loved the show. Like all my coworkers loved the show. Thought it was phenomenal. Um, just thought it was great. Chris, did you check out the White Lotus? No, I got to get on that. Um, my you wife got to get on this, Chris. This she one you will, you will die. And it's, I believe the show, speaking of accessibility, I believe it's only eight episodes or something like that. And then it's done. Perfect. They might be able to carry on with something else, you know, like some sort of continuation kind of thing. But I, I hope they just don't. I hope that this show, kind of like True Detective season one, I hope they just stop because to me, these eight episodes are so perfect. Um, and when you start the show, you're not sure if it's a drama, a comedy. You're like, am I supposed to laugh here? And then by episode two, I was rolling off the couch. I mean, I was slamming the wow. floor. But in the back of my head, I was asking myself, am I <laughs> laughing at the show because I'm messed up <laughs> and I'm not supposed to or what? It was great, but everyone had the same reaction that I talked to. Chris, high, high, high recommendation. The White Lotus, by far, my favorite TV show of the year. Love it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. This was, I did have some other stuff. I, I won't lie. Um, I had... All right. Nice. Th- there were some, there were some um, programs that you know had exceptional seasons like Ted Lasso had a great second season what we do in the shadows had a great season um I got turned on to I think you should leave with Tim Robinson on Netflix which is incredible if you love sketch comedy that's incredible like, that's incredible. I think incredible. you I don't know did you tell me about that I love that I did show. yeah just unbelievable um and then you know I saw a couple new things that I thought like there's a great show on Hulu called um only murders happen in the bill or only murders in the building with Steve oh, Martin. Great. And Martin so Short. great. Love great that. Great to see those two. Um, and then this is also a weird year where I was disappointed with a lot of TV that I thought was going to be good. So like, hmm. I mean, basically every Marvel property I thought was going to be amazing. And I was just let down like Loki, WandaVision. What is yeah, there? Right. Like, you're okay. Like, yeah. Didn't really move the ball, but here's, this is my pick. And I, I, this is a show that I have not talked about once on the podcast yet. And I, hmm. Shame on me uh, for not doing it because they're now in their second season. But my pick, Ben, this year is a show on Apple TV called Mythic Quest. Wait, say it again. Mythic Quest. Oh, I've heard about this. So this is um, Rob McKinney? McKinney? McElhaney? McElhaney. Thank you, McElhaney from It's, it's Always Sunny. Um, this is his, his new thing that he's doing on Apple TV. And it's a show about, uh, it's a workplace comedy, but it takes place at a gaming company that is creating like a Dungeons and Dragons, World of Warcraft type of video game. And just hilarity ensues. And it is, first season was pretty good. And then the second season, they figured out kind of who they are, um, what kind of, what their rhythms and pacing and, and humor is going to be. And now it's like, you know, the, 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 the sky, the, the heavens are, there's no ceiling on this show, so to speak. I, I second season I was laughing from from basically start to finish with every episode. Um, just really good. Rob uh, McElhaney is just fantastic. Um, maybe my pick for one of the most underrated talents of, of his generation in terms of TV. 
Um, and I've also seen him do dramatic work, which is crazy. So he's just an all-around talented dude. Um, but yeah, Mythic Quest, if you're not on it, please do. If you have Apple TV, get on this. If you love workplace comedies, if you love The Office, if you love Silicon Valley, um, all these other shows that, that kind of take place in office situations, um, you will love this show because it's taking that to the nth degree. And also, I mean, if you're someone like me who loves diversity and uh, in a cast nowadays, like this is this has diversity at the wazoo. Um, so uh, you will enjoy it heavily. But yeah, Mythic Quest is my pick, my friend. Excellent, dude. I haven't watched it yet. I'm t I'm gonna get on it like tomorrow. I'm kid free tomorrow. I'm gonna watch it with Katie K. I can't wait. Love Excellent. Um, but uh, you know, if, speaking of TV though, it, one thing that might be my pick for next year. Um, it's actually great and it's getting better. Is that Lord? Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Mayor of Kingstown, the the Jeremy Renner show. I, oh, I think yeah. I talked about it. Um, did you check that one out yet? No, not yet. And the reason, well, the reason why I bring it up after you said, like, I love everything that takes place at work. Like, mm -hmm. I love movies. I love, like, the movie Training Day. And, you know, Antoine Farquhar did uh, The Mayor of Kingstown. That's why I bring that up. I love, and Mayor of Kingstown, Jeremy Renner, might have the world's worst job of all time. <laughs> like, literally, um, nothing, you know, uh, a part of his job is uh, being a go-between between, okay, ready for this, Chris? This is This is his job. He's a go-between between the Crips, the correction officers, the prisoners, uh, and the white supremacists. Oh, and the Latino gang in this one town. He's the go-between. He's like kind of like a uh, like when they have like peace that he goes and negotiates peace between them all. Worst world's worst job of all time. <laughs> yeah. Whatever he's getting paid, it's not enough. Terrible job, but I. It is fascinating watching someone just put their head down and unemotionally go to work. Sometimes I feel like that at work sometimes, you know what I mean? Like when I'm like mm -hmm. plunging a toilet or something like that, I don't know. I just like, where's the camera on me when I'm doing this? So, you know, I just am fascinated with anyone and you know, Silicon Valley was just great where you're just like in Silicon Valley, like, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, how did we get to this place? Like, how are these idiots <laughs> in charge of this much money or something like, yeah, like, this is so ridiculous. And so great pick, Chris, love it. Love Rob Malkahelny. Um, have you watched any of the new, it's always sunny too? No, what I'm doing with it's always sunny. I've, I've seen the first two seasons and then I stopped, so I don't want to. I don't want to watch anything new until I've I've burned through. The rest. I'm gonna go all the way back. And, oh, uh, good for you! And just enjoy it from the beginning. So there you go. You know, you that. should because they have a lot of references to earlier seasons this season. Mm -hmm. And without uh, going through, you'd be like, "What the hell are they talking about?" But uh, just let me tell you, maybe I think it's the second episode of this new season might be one of my favorite episodes of all time and we're in season 15 dude jesus you know it's funny like yeah. if you look at my hulu queue where i basically have it's always something like frozen in time of where i am it's it's the charlie got molested episode that's all <laughs> i still haven't seen it yet so that's how that's the episode stuck on i still haven't seen it yet. so there you go i'll get there that's I'll get there. that's one of my favorite episodes as well so <laughs> buckle up <laughs> Good to know. um all right that's performance by a musician all right so it's my turn to kick it off um, go for it ben have you been watching npr's tiny desk concerts ever i have definitely seen a lot of those i've seen um i have a couple favorite actually anderson pax if you haven't oh. seen his on there wicked yeah. good that's like i think it's like 20 something minutes um the jizza on there is great uh there's a bunch but yes chris oh i've gosh. seen yeah so Folks, if you haven't seen NPR's Tiny Desk Concerts on YouTube, 
um, or their website, check them out. They're like usually like a half an hour long. They're not long. Um, and they're not necessarily like unplugged, but like scaled down, intimate setting, very small audience, if, if any audience at all. And you just right. get to, to watch these performers perform. Um, now technically, okay, this, this, this is a technicality. So the, the Tiny Desk concert I'm referring to actually took place on December 8th, 2020. Boo! Technically, it's not, <laughs> but I didn't see it. Okay, all right, we'll allow it. We'll hold on. We'll Let me ask the judges. I'll, yeah, we'll allow it. You're good. We'll allow it. Ask okay. the cat. Three yeah, weeks. Three weeks. Um, but it's it's an R&B group called Chloe X Halley. Um, they're sisters. Um, they're in their very young twenties. I think the old like they're 21 and 20. I think. Um, and they are kind of a throwback to the En Vogue, SWV, like female R&B groups of the 1990s. And their sound um, is incredible. I mean, I you know, we know very well that when you get family members together in a family band, whether it be the Bee Gees um, or other groups like the Jackson 5, there's a sound that cannot be replicated because you're a family. And the tones just work wonderfully together. Chloe X. Halley, is one of those types of groups where they just they just sync up so well and it's just such an incredible sound um, when the, the two of them are going off together and and just kind of like Silk Sonic it's it's a very retro sounding group um, they definitely have they definitely have you know songs that are very 2021 in terms of style and lyrics and things like that but um, it still has like this kind of cool retro sound and Howie of the group um, actually has been cast as the little mermaid in the Disney remake that's coming out next year. So um, she's about to blow up, which is awesome. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a really good desk concert. It's I think, like, the video on YouTube that I saw, I think it's just about 20 minutes. It's not that long at all. They, they play like three or four songs um, and they just riff. They just riff like it's like amazing and they're at ease. Um, and it's just one of those performances where you watch it and you're like, this is the beginning of something that's going to be, I think, a really amazing run in music. And, and I'm, I'm here watching it at the beginning. It's like, you know, I, I compare it to um, that very famous video of Lin-Manuel Miranda performing Hamilton for the first time at the White House gotcha. back in like 2009. So you're like, oh, so you get shit. that, you get that vibe. You get that vibe that this is exactly. Something. It's that vibe of like, well, these, these I definitely liked it and I, I can't wait to check it out. We'll watch it tonight. Awesome. There you go, my friend. What do you got? Okay. Um, best music performance. Um, I'm going to say, so uh, this year, um, you know, I'm not a giant country guy, especially modern country, mm -hmm. but um, Chris Stapleton is Ooh. hard to ignore in 2021. So um, he has a song called Cold. Um, so I encourage you to go on YouTube, look up Chris Stapleton, Cold Live, and I think you pre pre performed it. There's a bunch of great performances. Actually, we saw one live in Syracuse. That's a good one. Uh, but uh, at the, I think, Country Music Awards, he he performs a song, Cold. And it's an original song. It's hard to deny this song. But my best performance of the year, and it's related because him and uh, this performer performed live a couple times. Um, it's this musician, Brandy Carlisle. And oh, I was yeah. turned on to her by Howard Stern, and he was talking about how she played out live with Soundgarden, did like Black Hole Sun Live and a couple other songs. And I'm like, whoa, what? who is this chick? 
and I looked her up, went through the back catalog, and she's been around for a long time. And she has a song called Right On Time. I believe she performed this on Saturday Night Live when she was on. And her mm-hmm. voice is outrageous. She played this live on Stern. She did Mad Men Across the Water by Elton John. She has been kind of kicking ass this year. And I just need to acknowledge her. And her voice is great. Her songwriting's great. Great musicianship. And you can't deny that. So um, I don't know. I'm going to do like a co-award for the both of them because they performed live a couple times. Um you know, I just we saw Chris Stapleton this year, and you hear this voice, and you're like, "Oh, he's got a great voice." Um, and he gets hired by a bunch of people to, you know, be on their track. Like Santana did a track with him this year. He was on the new uh, Tom Morello album, which was great. Um, but when you see him live, he plays all the electric guitar solos that you hear on the album. That's him shredding on the album. Like that's him. He is like, if he was just sitting back in a band wailing on this guitar, you'd be like, God damn, who is that guitar player? Like, that's how good he is. He just wails on this guitar. I didn't realize he plays live with his wife. Who's in the band. So it's just a fascinating story. Brandy Carlyle has been around since I think like the early two thousands or even late nineties. And, um, I don't know for me, her voice you know, as we age, your voice gets that patina, that fine kind of rust on it, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like her voice is just getting that kind of rasp that she can pull off Chris Cornell, like in a great way. She has a great energy. I She's not new, but my God, I think she's owning it. I think she's, I don't know. I, I really see really big things for her coming up. Like, I, I don't think she's stopping. I don't think it's like Brandy Carlisle and then that's it. Like, right. I think she's going to be around for a long time. Same with Chris. I think Chris Stapleton got, kind of got pigeonholed with the Tennessee whiskey thing, but I think that this new album this year was great by him. Um, so please do some deep dives. Something I love to do on uh, Spotify is like you pick an artist, you go through their back catalog. So awesome. So definitely check that out, Chris. That's my performance of the year. Nice. Love it, my friend. Love it. Good stuff. Um, all right. Best performance um, acting movie-wise. What do you got? All right. All right. Oh, man, I got three. I, I'm i looking at this list. Hold on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you want I to go something... first? Because I got, I got a definitive text. <sighs> go ahead. You go first. You go first. You want... I'll give you time to think. All right. So, th- you know, this is a big year, for, I think, in acting just overall. I mean, we saw... Yeah. Incredible performances left and right. I mean, the Oscars this year is going to be insane. Emmys this year is going to be insane. Um, it's going to be normal. We have actual performances to know. We have actual right. performances, yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with a guy that turned in, I think, the most surprising performance of the year. And then talk about like finishing off a year like at an unbelievable level. But I'm going to go with my man, Andrew Garfield in Tick, Tick, Boom. So this is a movie musical that was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It is based on the life of Jonathan Larson, who wrote uh, the musical Rent. Um, this was actually a musical, a one-man show that he would perform um, at various theaters to basically raise money to write Rent. And um, it's kind of like it had this cult status for a long time, but Lin-Manuel, who was actually in a production of this, made it into a movie. And... Andrew Garfield, who when we found out was cast in this thing, I, I will—I'll be honest with you. 
nobody in the theater community was like, oh my God, he's going to kill it. Like, oh my God, this is the perfect choice. Everybody's like, what? Andrew Garfield? Like, does he sing? Does he even sing? Not only does he sing, Ben, but he captures um, Jonathan Larson in just an amazing performance. And there's so much archival footage and camcorder footage of Jonathan Larson um, out there, so you can really see the depth of his performance. But it is a tick boom. He is breathtaking in this movie. And it, 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 I already kind of respected Andrew Garfield already, but this put him on a whole different level for me uh, in terms of like, all right, this guy's this guy working at a different, he's figured it out. He's figured out what he can do well, and now the talents are coming together, and now he's, I, I think he's about to go on a run uh, of just mammoth proportions. If he doesn't get at least an Oscar nomination for this movie, um, who knows what's going to happen. But he, he is, uh, it's an incredible performance, unexpected performance. He's putting everything he has into this performance, um, and, and it just works on every single level. And then you talk about all the other stuff that he's involved with. No spoilers, but I mean, what yes. a year. What an end yes. of the year. What a year. I like that. No spoilers, but what a year. Like what a year. No spoilers, but what a year. There's other performances we can't talk about, but. We can't talk year. about. <laughs> you know, we're, we're in a strict NDAs here, but yeah, what, right. a, what a year. What a year. No, Chris, uh, um, I haven't seen the movie, but. Our friend, friend of the pod, uh, Lynette, showed me a couple scenes when she came over a couple weeks ago, and uh, I totally agree. Like, he, this is different level shit. I mean, this is, when you say it's a one-man show and a musical, I mean, there's musicals, and then there's kind of, I, I, it's hard to put a finger on, uh, there's one scene, Chris, and I really don't know it that well, um, there's one scene where they're at a party. And he just kind of starts tapping and oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Like yep, he's kind of talking about his roommates and his friends and uh, it's um, kind of like a freestyle rap kind of thing. And you're like, yeah, and you're like, wow, Andrew Garfield, what is going on? Like you just like the talent is outrageous. And maybe we just haven't given him a chance to shine like this. But I totally agree, Chris. Great pick. There you go. All right, my friends, I've given you some time to uh, to think about it. But what do you got? I can't believe I'm going to say this. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's runners up. I just switched the runners up. Okay. So I think I'm, I mentioned werewolves within Chris. Did you check out werewolves within yet? Yep. Yep. That was okay. great. By the way, that was great recommendation. I thought, you know, not movie of the year, but I thought Sam Richardson's performance in that. Oh, he his. Yeah. 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 I just feel like maybe this isn't his best performance, but his, the way he delivers, because he, then he was in that Future War movie with the Chris Pratt or whatever, and he yep, kind of played the same. This year and yeah. yeah. I just think that this guy is a talent. He can kind of fill the void in a lot of movies with his kind of flow, his delivery. And Werewolves Within showed off so many of his skills. Like, he can do comedy, he can do drama, he can do everything. I feel like there's a property out there just with his name on it. Like, you know, either a TV property. I hope he doesn't get swept up into the kind of Marvel Cinematic Universe and then they just use him for that. I just, I feel like this guy is, in my opinion, he has like Emmy and Oscar written all over him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So originally that was going to be my first pick. Then um, I have to give a shout out to Tom Holland in Spider-Man. Um, oh, without man. Tom Holland manning the ship of the last Spider-Man No Way Home, 
I don't think it's that big of a movie. Um, there is something about his performance in these movies that gives me the feels like nothing. I don't know about you, Chris, but I cried four times and my head exploded multiple times. Oh, yeah. Um, well, let's get into it. Do you, want to, do you want to throw a spoiler thing up there and just get into it or save it for another yeah, time? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, all right, <laughs> so we, all right, I. <laughs> I mean, I can talk about this movie for like three hours. Maybe we do it. I say we wait. I say we wait. Yeah, let's Yeah, I say we wait because we're going to talk about this one. But um, I tried to give a spoiler-free review to people. Like they're like, "How was it?" I was like, "Guys, it was great." I and I said, "Chris, this is what I said to him." I go, "Within the first ten minutes of the movie, there's something that happens that I could spoil for you that our head exploded and the whole theater applauded when it happened." Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, aren't my theater went nuts? Yeah. People stood up. People stood up in the theater, and it's. I'm like, it's the first ten minutes. I'm clapping. Everyone's <laughs> clapping. Everyone's like, like everyone's freaking the f out in the theater. And I was like, dude, I was freaking out. And it's not even the end of the movie. By the end of the movie, I have cried so many times. I'm bawling. I'm sniffling. I mean, big old man tears going down in my beard. Not even like. Choked up at the end of Karate Kid Part Two. I'm talking about like big old ears coming down. So, what? Like, like your fiance is looking at you like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" Type of tears. <laughs> what am I getting into? That's what. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm gonna have to put on the waterworks at the wedding now. If I don't, she'd be like, "What the fuck is going?" on? <laughs> you cried for I mean, Spider Man. Your greatest acting performance in like years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel good. Uh, get married. <laughs> Feels great. You didn't cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm gonna fall like a baby. You know. I love, um, it. I love it. So Tom Holland, I had to give a shout out to that. And Chris, I don't know about you, but have you read some Oscar buzz out there? I have actually. A lot of people. Well, for 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 two people in the movie, actually, I'm yep. Oscar buzz, and I'm not gonna. Oh God, I can't. Spoiler. I can't. I can't say the other person. Just let's yet. wait. Let's wait. Let's wait. We'll wait. But let's just put it this way. I'm not, this doesn't spoil anything. It, it confirms what we already knew about people that have been in these movies before. That, that like, yeah. they're great. Just once again, like, they were cast as these roles in the first place for various reasons, and this movie proved exactly why. I'll leave it at that. That's great. That's a great way <laughs> to put it. Yeah, Chris, I mean, there's multiple people in that movie that you can describe as that, too. So we'll get into it. We'll, we'll get, get into, into that. that. Yeah. Uh, next time we pod, we're gonna. Do that. I, I think we we gotta go way deep into that thing. We're way gonna deep. do some, yeah. Um, exactly. But I can't right, believe I'm gonna say this. I so yeah. I actually made this list while I was watching this movie. I can't believe I'm gonna say this. As I was watching this movie, I started writing this down on this list, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm writing this down on this list. This man. Um, so like last year I had Queen's Gambit as my best performance, right? Mm, um, yeah. mm-hmm. And she was just blew me out of the water. This performance right here blew me out of the water as well. I can't believe I'm going to say this, Chris. He's one of our favorite people in the universe. Whoa. Nicholas Cage in the movie pig. Nice. I, wow. Have you, have you seen this yet? No. Oh All my right. God. Now I got yeah. to see it. Now I got to see it. Chris, I, I can't believe I, this man. He was in two of my favorite bad movies of the year. <laughs> he was in Willy's Wonderland, <laughs> which right? is incredible, in, in, in freaking incredible, right? 
and he was in Ghosts of or uh, uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland, which is this <laughs> bonkers movie that being I, I dragged my fiance to, and she's like, "What did we just watch?" Right? I sat down and watched this movie. Like, um, Katie had her friend Liz over; they were watching Dexter in the basement. And I was like, let me just put this on. I'm going to text Chris and say, hey, we should do our end of the year superlatives. This is literally how this happened. I put this thing on. And Chris, I started watching. I'm like, okay, here comes Nicolas Cage. And by minute 25, I'm like, why am I really enjoying this movie? (laughs) On like a a non-cheesy level. And then by minute 45, I'm like, this movie might be brilliant. And I'm waiting for it to jump the shark. I'm waiting for Fonzie to jump the shark. And I'm like, I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And Nicolas Cage's performance is so tempered in it. It proved to me that he's still capable of greatness. Mm -hmm. That's the only way I can put it is because I've seen him in Willy's Wonderland ripping heads off of animatronic animals. I've seen him in Prisoners of the Wasteland when his testicles get blown off and he's screaming <laughs> at the top of his lungs. Um, and then I watched this performance. And this performance by him can be – you could replace him maybe with someone great like – only a couple people could play this character as well as he plays it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say a Paul Giamatti could play this character – Maybe a John Malkovich. Like okay. you need someone of that caliber to play this. And Nick. He's there. Is there. He goes up to that level by being very subtle. And his facial expressions, his perform his choices are so right. And you know how we talk about with acting choices. He makes all the right choices and doesn't make a wrong choice in this movie. And maybe that's why. I was drawn to it because I know it's such a tight wire act or tight rope act with him. Like as a director, you're like, oh, Nick, don't. But man, I think he was in full command of all his acting talents in this movie. He has not lost it. He is on point with this one. Or maybe he just bought all in on the script. I don't know what it was. But Chris, and I've heard Oscar buzz about his performance in this. I'm not that far off. I had to Google. I was like, all right, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm up in my Ben Frawley head. Maybe I'm just thinking like out like crazy because I love the man. I Google this thing. Everyone loves it. Crowd and critics. It's highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, whatever you look up. And the Oscar buzz is there for this performance, Chris. My best performance is Nicolas Cage in the movie Pig. I love it. I love it. And you're absolutely right. I mean – there's no one else on the planet that could do what he, the roles he does with the level of commitment that he does without getting sucked into the silliness of it. Like, Willie's Wonderland is a perfect example of that. Like, find me another actor that could do that and take it as seriously as Nicolas Cage, period. Like, you know, a lot of other actors would probably get into the joke of it, but he's, he's 100% all in, and I love that about him. And the tra- I saw the trailer for his movie that's coming out where he plays himself, that um, movie looks insane. And it looks insane it. and awesome. And he said things in interviews like, I'll never watch it because I can't watch myself playing a meta me. <laughs> 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 Which I agree. That would like, blow your head off or something. <laughs> I just like how like there's a line in the trailer where he's like, oh, I I, I found this this bone or something like this. Something ridiculous. And Nick Cage's next line is like, I'll give you 20 grand for it. <laughs> like, yes. uh, yeah. <laughs> he's buying dinosaur bones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes. So I, I'm with you, man. Rage in the Cage. Uh, I love it. And 
Good pick. Wow. Yeah, friend of, friend of the podcast. And, you know, <laughs> I know that, listen, I'm sitting there and my personal bias is creeping up already when I start the movie, right? High expectations. But I've heard things like someone told me, yeah, very slow, very boring. I don't know about that one. I was like, oh, all right. So it's not the regular Nick, you know, it's not Willie's Wonderland or something like that. Right. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, what is this movie? And Chris, by minute 25, you were like, I'm kind of all in on this movie. I want to see what happens and I'm not spoiling anything. You kind of have to see it to believe it, that he stays that tempered. I think that's the most, that's what makes him so that's his it factor. You know, when we talk about the it factor with acting, you're like, all right, what's he going to do next? And in this movie, he doesn't give it to you. He is very subtle. And I don't know, Chris, it's kind of great, dude. I love it, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, so next category, we're kind of kind of do this thing where it's like you're gonna do your own category because this is where you this is where you. Oh right. And then I'm gonna do another category of my own picking. So, Ben, I'm gonna start with you. The, your category is best reissued album. This is this is where you cook. This is your latest uh, music albums. This is where this is where you live. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your take on this. But your what is your best reissued album of the year? There's actually a bunch, Chris, and you know I'm gonna start off with you know a Love Supreme Live in Seattle by John Coltrane. I'm gonna get get my wheelhouse out of the way. You know that mm-hmm. is, um, I'm a giant jazz head. I just bought a bunch of jazz albums the other day, and I haven't bought records in a while. But man, I just love old jazz. It's so great. But this is a Love Supreme Live in Seattle. Great reissue. Um, All Things Must Pass by George Harrison. They reissued that like a 50th, if you can believe that, 50th anniversary of this album. Um, Bunch of demo tracks. And I think I put this on the list just because of all the extra tracks you get with it. But Chris, I want to talk about a very important album to you and me and our generation. And it had its 30th anniversary this year. Am I doing that right? One, two, three. Yeah. Um, it is Nevermind by Nirvana. Um, so when this was reissued, there was a bunch of buzz around the internet, a bunch of interviews by Dave Grohl on YouTube. And actually on YouTube, um, there's a BBC doc that's up there for free. So check it out before anyone takes it down. <laughs> um, it's like, um, I think it's called Nirvana goes to England. It's an hour long and it's, they made this, they made this documentary in honor of the reissue of this album. Um, Chris, this is such an important album to our generation. It started. I remember where I was when I saw this video for the first time. I think I was at a babysitter's house or something. I definitely wasn't at my house. I was staying somewhere and the girl that was babysitting me just gave me the remote. And I sat there and watched MTV all night. And I remember seeing this freaking video and I was like, what the heck is this video? And then of course, most importantly for my generation, cause I was probably 11, 12, I saw the weird Al version. And I was <laughs> freaking out. It smells like teen spirit, but then there's only been a couple times in my life. And this doesn't happen nowadays. Like if you listen to a classic rock station, I don't care if you're driving down to Georgia or New York, classic rock is classic rock. You're going to hear, Steve Miller band, you're going to hear Pink Floyd, you're going to hear The Doors, you're going to hear The Who, uh, REO Speedwagon, yada, yada, yada. I remember when Nirvana and Pearl Jam were huge. And I remember I was shocked in Connecticut when WHCN mm-hmm. and w, WHCN was the classic rock station. They would play, I remember hearing in order, I remember hearing The Beatles, 
Pink Floyd and Smells Like, uh, Come As You Are by Nirvana. I remember I was mm. like, I was hanging outside with my dad and I remember they played Come As You Are and I knew all the words to this. And then my dad knew all the words and my uncle Mickey knew all the words. And I was like, holy shit, like this song is so huge. They're playing on classic rock. And then they played, and then the next year they played Jeremy by Pearl Jam on the classic rock. And you know what? They took those songs off, you know, subsequently. You know, if you play classic vinyl or something like that on Sirius XM, they don't play those songs. But I remember those songs were so huge and it kind of brought rock back into popular mainstream culture that classic rock stations started playing them. So this is a very important, this is a very important album as far as music goes, as far as, you know, what Nevermind did is it brought rock to mainstream, it brought punk rock to mainstream. It kind of brought all these influences. Now it's something that is kind of, you know, a lot of artists do this, you know, it's like, um, who's the guy machine gun Kelly has a rock album now or something like that. You know, he's, he's mm-hmm. crossing genres or, you know, uh, Taylor Swift will cross genres. She'll do a country album. She'll do a folks album. But back in the day, you did not do that. You did not get out of your lane. You had a genre, your A&R man told you not to do that. Um, you know, if you're Tom Petty, you're not going to have a rap album or so, you know what I mean? Like that. Like I remember, uh, Neil Young had like a, throwback 50s album and everyone was like oh my god this is terrible i mean it's not a good album but it's like how could he do this to his music or something like that uh and i just remember mm-hmm. how hard this album was songs like territorial pissings or something like that something nuts and these guys you see them live and like you're like how are these guys famous they play loud and hard you can't hear the singer like i like music like this but everyone else likes music like this and it was kind of like this moment in time for three years where the nerd, the music nerds broke through, you know, the crest of the wave yeah. peaked and then it fell back. You know, it's kind of like what we're writing through now with Marvel nerds. It's like, haha, you guys see how great Wolverine was. Wish you were listening to me when I was 12, <laughs> like all that shit. And so um, I think never mind the reissue. It's on iTunes, it's on Spotify. Check it out. Um, or buy it, buy it on vinyl and stuff like that. They're repressing the whole thing. Great interviews with uh, Christ Nova Selleck and Dave Grohl um, and them, you know, and, and I, I'm so glad Dave has kind of come through the other side and he's comfortable. I think it's because he's famous in his own right with Foo Fighters. He's comfortable talking about his time in Nirvana and stuff like that and being young. And it's kind of cool hearing him talk about this stuff. So that's my pick, Chris. Love it. Love it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, so for my pick that I went, which is kind of my individual lane, was I went with Best Theater of 2021. Now, it's a little limited uh, because the theater was in this weird thing where we really only kind of got it back, like, in the fall, and then we didn't, and now it's going away again as we speak. Like, literally, as we're recording this, like, shows are closing, like, left and right because of the Omicron virus and all this other stuff. So it's it's a disaster. But thankfully, I was able to see some theater in 2021, and both virtually and live in person. Um, close runner-up was the off-Broadway musical uh, Winnie the Pooh, which was mm-hmm. just delightful. Took my son to it in the city. Uh, back on literally on uh, on Halloween day, went to the city, went to see it. It's an hour-long show. Fantastic, just cute. If you love Winnie the Pooh, like you love the show. So that was like. But here's my number one pick, and there are some out there, some theater snobs that will probably say, like, what is Chris talking about? And there Uh-oh. are what I, call, what I call fans, what I call theater fans. 
that appreciate a good time, that will be like, heck yes. I have to say that my best theater this year was Diana the Musical. Diana Whoa. the Musical. Uh, based, on, based on the quote-unquote life of, of Princess Diana, and I, I put quotes in it because it's very uh, dramatized, uh, dramatized. Um, but it was, it was released as a pro shot on Netflix first, which is where I saw it. Um, and, this, and this was kind of a ballsy move. I won't lie. They put it on Netflix. Brand new musical. Hadn't even opened on Broadway yet at the time. They just filmed it and put it on Netflix. And then it opened like two months later on Broadway. It was a crazy gamble um, that kind of worked. I mean, it, 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 you know, people it gained a fan base, a cult status, um, things like that. And, and it just closed literally this week as we're recording this. Um, to a lot of fanfare on Twitter. Like a lot of people are like, you know what? Screw the snobs. If you just want to see something that's campy, that's funny, that is kind of in on its own joke, and um, it's just a fun time, like Diana the Musical is like a perfect uh, night out. And you know what? I have to be honest. These, those people were 100% right. It is, a, it's, it is not to be taken seriously. Anybody who watches Diana the Musical and is like looking for art and nuance and all those things that like you want out of like Oscar <laughs> Bates and Tony Bates shows, you're not going to get it here. Al- although you are going to get an incredible performance by the lead actress Janet DeWald who plays uh, Princess Diana. She is a rock in this thing and um, deserves every award recognition possible um, later on this year. But um, yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's just, again, we talk about being this weird year of like just needing to be entertained just give me something that lets me escape from the shitty reality of what was happening in 2021 for two hours and diana the musical is the perfect medicine for that it's like i got a fever and the only medicine i need is is diana the musical so <laughs> um thankfully yes it is closed on broadway but thankfully it is preserved for all time um, on netflix you can watch it literally right this second and just turn off your brain. Turn off your brain and just watch a goofy, silly musical that knows what it is, and you're just having a good time. So, um, and the lyrics are preposterous. The songs are, you know, not that catchy, but whatever. And um, the choreography is is there. So, let me just say, the choreography it, it happens in the show. Yeah, <laughs> you could say that someone did some choreography. <laughs> They were choreography rehearsals. <laughs> they had rehearsals. They had rehearsals. <laughs> they had rehearsals. Um, but again, like it, it, again, it's a good time. Everybody in it is giving their all. I know a couple of cast members personally, and they're phenomenal people who told me every step of the way. They knew exactly what this show was from day one, and that, and that's why I think you, you just love it. Um, because again, it's just not taking itself seriously, and, and that's what we need right now. So, Diana Musical, best theater of 2021. Crazy to say that, but it's true. History. So, um, all right, let's get into the next one. Awesome. So, this is one of our favorite um, segments of the show where we go YouTube in. So, we, we watch a lot of YouTube. Uh, ben, I got to know, what was your best YouTube of the year? Chris, this is our first crossover of the podcast, buddy. Um, when you were announcing your favorite album of the year, already written down on my list, my favorite YouTube of the year, Silk Sonic for me. Oh, owned man. the YouTube airwaves. So when I'm YouTube, 
right? And we did a lot of YouTube in this year down in the basement watching music and hanging out, having people over watching music. For me, the thing I kept going back to was Silk Sonic. You know, mm-hmm. um, their, their videos were so great. I think it started with Skate, and then it went to Smoking Out the Window. Then it went to Fly, fly Like Me. Um, just great stuff. I mean, just so great. Couldn't stop watching them. I'm hoping they come out with more. The talent is so great, and it's just one of those things. And maybe I'm call me an old fogey. Maybe it's just because I'm a big fan of MTV and we watch like a bunch of stuff. But this stuff, these videos got slotted right into our basement music rotation um, because they were so great. Everyone enjoyed them. Everyone that came over, like, what the hell is this? This is awesome. So I based it on that, Chris. Hands down, Silk Sonic won YouTube for me. Nice, excellent. I had a couple picks this year, um, but I'm, I, I, I narrowed it down. Um, you know, quick channel. I mean, I think you turned me on to this, but uh, I cannot, I cannot recommend it enough uh, for people to take a look at. It's called Tasting History with Max Miller. Um, oh my God, dude! Yeah, <laughs> so like, great. Like if I, if I had to like name my top ten most favorite videos or videos I watched the most, probably. This year, he probably occupies like three of the spots by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just an incredible channel. He, he kind of goes through historic dishes of centuries past uh, and actually makes them. And so uh, some of them look great. Some of them look not so great. They probably led to a lot of death back then. But, <laughs> and then he eats them. And, and most he importantly, eats he eats them. And you get to watch his face while he eats these <laughs> nasty things. So, uh, yeah, much love to, to uh, Max Miller and that. But... Um, my favorite, and again, I gotta give you credit uh, for all of this uh, because you were the man that turned me on to this. But it's um, Steve O's Wild Ride podcast. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah, he, <laughs> he had some um, just incredible interviews this year. I mean, this was like if you were gonna ever do it, like to turn you know turn yourself on to his his pod his podcast that you can watch on YouTube. Um, this was definitely the year to do it. But my favorite. Two episodes that he did. One was with Danny Trejo, which was yeah. like, I think it was like early this summer. When Danny Trejo, how he saved, um, uh, what's his face's, uh, he saved what's his face's ass. Um, oh my God, who's the other? Um, oh Jesus, I know you're talking about. Too. Yeah, and um, he's the guy from uh, our freaking uh, Battlestar Galactica, and he was on. Uh, oh my God, Miami Vice. Edward James almost how he saved oh, Edward James almost yep, from yep, the yep. cartel or something like that from like El Chapo or something. I don't know what the fuck story this was. And like Steve was like, let me tell you how, let me ask you about like how you saved Edward James almost as ass. He's like, yeah, they called me like the cartel calls Danny Trejo. <laughs> they just call him like to talk to him about <laughs> stuff. It's like what the fuck? <laughs> Amazing. Um, that was, that was my favorite. The other one that was surprisingly good was just a couple months ago. It was with Jody Sweeten from Full House. Um, who I had like a massive crush on as a kid. And just to hear about her life post full house, like the first run of it, where it just goes to shit, like her life goes to shit. And it's like, oh my God, like how did you how did you make it out of this? So it's just a really like and it's like again, like, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like you would believe a person would go through this if they might have been on like a gritty show. Like if if you tell them like all the kids jump up the wire and become like criminals and drug addicts, I'd be like, okay, I kind of believe the kids are 
that shows in the dark and things like that, but not Full House. Like you wouldn't believe that right. like, a Full House is like you know, you know, developing criminals and crystal meth addicts and all of this. I was like, holy shit. Um, so yeah, no. If, if you if you just want to hear a really good interview about someone who went to a really dark place and, and made it back, but is still kind of having like residual drama, um, that episode is really great. But like, who if you Ben, if you told me like three years ago that one of the best interview podcasts. Um, one of the best interviewers, period, right now is Steve-O. I'd be like, what are you smoking? What are you, are I know. you smoking with Steve-O smoking? Um, and or, yet it or is. used to be smoking. <laughs> used to be smoking, but like, it is. Like, it, he, is, he is phenomenal at this. And so, uh, and plus, you, I mean, it's, it's, so it's hard not to root for Steve-O when, he's, when you see him doing so well. And, um, and he's just doing a great job with the, the interview. So, yeah, check out Steve-O's Wild Ride um, on yeah. YouTube. My favorite YouTube uh, for this year. Yeah, Chris, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, just today, um, I was watching Brandon Novak, who used to be on Viva La Bam, talking about Bam Margera's status as as far as his recovery and stuff. And it's just such, and I think that's a big piece of it, is Steve-O being sober. I think if annoying Steve-O was here and he was still using, <laughs> by some miracle of God or something, like that, if he was still alive, right. um, I don't think it'd be as as interesting when he talks to people and he says, yeah, I used to do that. And this is what I used to do. It's so fascinating and it makes him so much of a more interesting person, you know, I guess. And because he lived a life, you know, and I think that's why people opened up to him. Like, uh, Chris, my highlights on that show were, um, when Eric Andre asked Steve about the ODB tribute concert and Ray Kion almost killed him on the stage. Love that. Love that clip. And then, um, uh, Chris, did you watch Be Real on there from Cypress Hill? No, not yet. You got to watch Be Real from Cypress Hill talking about his past affiliations in the gang life. It is some of the most intense stories you've ever heard in your freaking life. It is so crazy. And how they form the, they formed Cypress Hill and like literally he's in is he the Bloods or the Crips. I forget which one he's in, but it's not a nice thing. It's, it's a terrible thing. But I think because Steve-O is in recovery and he's kind of gone through that. I think he has some sort of pull or weight, you know what I mean? Yeah. To him and, and people open up to him. It, it's really good stuff. I can't recommend that more too, Chris. It's good stuff. Absolutely. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. Final category. Another, you know, form of entertainment that we definitely don't talk about nearly as much, but reading, writing, you know, these, these yes. sort of things. So let's talk about our, our, our friends of the pod, uh, journalists, writers, uh, articles. Ben, what was your, your, the best article you read this year? Well, Chris, you know, pandemic last year, I definitely read, you know, maybe good four or five books. I was proud of myself. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I, I celebrate that. Yeah, I, I feel pretty good. I mean, but in addition to all that, I definitely read a bunch of articles online. And I think that's the way people are ingesting at least magazine articles nowadays um, mm -hmm. with places uh, like the beast or the Atlantic or um, Deadspin or the ringer um, a, a bunch of places that I subscribe to um, even all my horror movie podcasts like bloody disgusting.com and up rocks and comicbook.com, all these places that I um, subscribe to, to bring you the news on the podcast. There was one article this year that I read multiple times and I love when there's an article and it takes advantage of being on the internet, meaning there's hyperlinks inside the article. Like when they name 
kind of like on Wikipedia when they have the person's name, you can click on it and go to their Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. And then also they will talk about something and then they'll show YouTube evidence of the thing they're talking about. Mm-hmm. The article that I thought that was the most fascinating and had some of the stuff that I'm way into as far as movies, content, music was um, spin.com as in spin magazine. Uh, this came out in October, I believe. And it was the, um, oral history of the making of bad motor finger by Soundgarden. Um, you got to check this article out, Chris. They have interviews with the whole band. They have interviews with, uh, um, Cameron Crowe. Um, they talk about how the girls from heart because Cameron Crowe was married to Nancy Wilson and how they were into the Seattle scene. They were filming the movie singles. Um, they knew Chris and all the guys, they knew Pearl jam and it is this flash in history. If you saw the movie PJ 20, it's kind of down that same vein, but then they talk about how Chris Cornell and Soundgarden were at this creative peak and they would just go away for a night. Like they would practice. Chris would go home, write four songs and then come back the next day and they would play. And then you would have like, fell on black days or you'd have rusty cage or something crazy. Like, you know, it was just so nuts at the creative power he had going on in his early twenties. It was just, it's unprecedented. So Chris, this article takes you down this wormhole and you know, for me, Chris, um, I love going on Spotify, doing deep dives for musicians and stuff. And, you know, I've been a Chris Cornell Soundgarden fan pretty much since I was a younger kid. I remember my friend Sean gave me um, Super Unknown on tape or tape when mm-hmm. I was in like eighth grade or something like that. You know what I mean? And it was yeah. just awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm I just a giant fan. But when you read this article, you're like, OK, I'm going to do a deep dive on some of the music that they're p- talking about, like this really early stuff. And it's all great. It's all good. It's different. It's heavy as fuck. Don't get me wrong. But man, when you hear the stories about what they were trying to do and trying to do something different at the time and how they would go on these like 10 minute jam sessions of this hard, heavy music and Chris is just screaming at the top of his lungs, you start appreciating what they're trying to do and how they're trying to change music and how they're writing music for themselves and not to please anyone. Chris, this is my article. So spin.com. The Oral History of Bad Motor Finger. It's a long-ass article. It takes you a long time to read it. You will do deep dives on who is talking in the article. Wait, who is this guy? You'll uh, So great. That's my pick of the year, Chris. Love it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, my article of the year is actually uh, from our good friends at The Ringer. Uh, mm. I think I just think about this one long, long and hard, but um, it, it was one of those things where it's like the most unlikely Scandal, um, like expose, like how how is this even a thing? Like how are we even making this a thing in 2021? But it happened, and it, it's an article um, by uh, Claire McNear, which was published last August, which basically was an expose into uh, Mike Richards, who was the producer of Jeopardy, and uh, who was about to become like the new host for Alex Trebek, who sadly passed away. And it went into like his past about like just uncouth things that he had done um, in his career, um, whether it's misogyny, whether it's uh, inappropriate comments, um, just just a laundry list of like, wait, this this might not be like 
the, the good, the, the best person for this job. Like this might not be a, a good, you know, person. And um, it actually led to um, him not getting the job. Like him, not only not getting the job, but then subsequently getting fired by Jeopardy. Um, and then losing out on other gigs. So it was like this, and this was about Jeopardy. Like this was about a Jeopardy host. This was not like a major politician. This is a guy who was about to become an exposed to Jeopardy and yet had um, all this baggage going on. Um, and it's a fascinating article. It's a long article, but it is one of those articles that's like, if it doesn't matter who the target is sometimes, it doesn't matter what the subject is at, the, at you know, times, if it's written well, if it's backed up with evidence and and um, describes everything clearly, uh, anything could have an impact. So uh, it's a great piece. Uh, the title of it, let me just pull it up here, uh, is called. Let me scroll up here. We go. No, I'm looking um, right at it, bro. Uh, with yeah. sharp teeth. Um, it's called "Smile with Sharp Teeth." Mike Richards' rise to Jeopardy. Yeah. I, I, I looked it up. This is wild, dude. I I didn't hear about. Th- I didn't know about this. Oh no! Oh my God! Yeah. Like I just knew, on. like around this time, didn't uh, you know the? Um, what, how am I going to put him? Uh, the um, alternative vaxer Aaron Rodgers. He was hosting a couple times, and then that's all I heard. <laughs> <laughs> right, and it's like it, it, it's. It, I I haven't read the article. I I have to go back and check it again just to make sure. But uh, it, it's not like he he was ever. He never, he never sexually assaulted anybody. He never, mm-hmm. nothing on that level. Um, he was just an asshole. Like he's just a terrible person behind the scenes, like making inappropriate comments and bullying people and just not being the right, nearly the right person to take over for Alex Trebek. So um, it's a fascinating article. I, I encourage all of you to read it. The Ringer, we all know and love from his pop cultural articles and podcasts, but they are really killing it when it comes to journalism. So um, kudos to everyone over there uh, and a piece like this that really did make a huge difference and impact um, for, for the couple of weeks that it was relevant. So yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah. You know what? I, I can't say that enough, Chris. Like I definitely go to them for a lot, actually. I, you know, I was turned on to Bill Simmons a little while ago by our friend of the pod, Josh Tanra. Um, and I think this is the way media is going. You know, I, I, if you told me a couple of years ago that a website's going to hold its ground till now, I'll be like, a website? That's so old, you know. But um, <laughs> they were able to do, to hold their ground in a multimedia way with podcasts, with articles, and the whole thing, uh, similar to the onstage blog, um, all yeah. those things. Um and I think that's the way to go. I think it's like you have to build a base and then you get some credibility when stories like this break and, and, uh, you know, a great pick for an article. I love articles that still, when the written word can still change things is it just shows that society is still intact in some form or fashion entering 2022. <laughs> yeah. now, now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, Ben. I, I was going to pick one of my own articles as the best article for this year. I mean, Oh, of course. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being honest with, I'm just being honest with yeah. the people about like yeah. who, who, you know, the quality of my work. But um, <laughs> that, that, would be, that would be a category for next year, like best onstage blog articles. I can, I can just brag best about shit. For, Best shit know. I did this year. What's the best shit I did this year? That's I, I like that. <laughs> That's a new category for next year. But we'll, we'll both answer it. Like, yeah. This is the best shit that you did this year. Yeah, there you go. 
Yeah, I did some shit this year. I did some shit. It's good. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, ben, any closing thoughts on 2021 as a year before we sign off? Well, you know, Chris, I'd like to say that, um, you know, 2021 was 2020 was hard, but luckily the pandemic is behind us. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, Omicron is here. It's terrible. Um, you know, I'm still going home for Christmas. Deacon hasn't seen his extended family in like three years. So, um, we got to make that happen. It's just crazy, dude. And, um, you know, everyone stay positive. We're going to get through this. Um, you know, at least us people in the Northeast, all you guys down South. I don't know about you guys, Chris, good luck with all that. Um, Georgia seems pretty good. You got the big old Atlanta. People are getting vaxxed down there. I People think you should be all right. We're doing yeah. we're, we're, we're no here in Mississippi in terms of the lowest uh, vaccination Ooh. rates. So we're doing fine. You know what? I've been watching a lot of the uh, the 60 Minutes recently, and uh, they had this story about Alabama and how raw sewage is backing up into people's trailers. I was like, oh, what is going on? <laughs> because uh, inside of Alabama, you don't have to have uh, sewage – like you don't have to have an uh, what do you call it? a sub a sub pump or a uh, oh, septic God. tank. Yeah. A sep- you don't have to have yeah, a septic tank by state law, and so all these poor people are forced to buy their own, but they can't. And there's just sewage ever. I was like, everyone has hookworm. I'm like, what is going oh, on? God, <laughs> Alabama. Terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. And so you know, listen, I I bring this up because things might be bad in some parts, but I I think we're getting better. You know what I mean? I think. We're going to get through this kind of winter. We're all kind of trapped inside because of the winter. And I think we're, everything's going to be okay. So I just want to send a positive message to 2022. It's going to be a great year. I'm very positive, very hopeful. Things are good here at the Frawley residence. Let's keep rocking and rolling, Chris. That's all I'm going to leave it with. Though. I like I like your optimism, my friend. It's, it's, it's good. I'm digging it. I'm digging might it. Be blind. Um, it might be blind, but I got some optimism. <laughs> hey, take we'll take what we can get at this point. Yeah, I feel yep. the same way. I mean – Safer, and there's this chip in my neck. That's I keep rubbing my my neck because where the chip is. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's what the vaccine. Ignore the fact that the voices in my head are not going to the faces on my body. Like it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, Ben, thank you for a great 2021, um, and uh, I look forward to rocking into 2022 with you, my friend. I am so excited for 2022. Listen, Chris, we got great trailers coming out for 2022 you know i feel like we had some shelfers in 2020 production got back to work in 2021 and i think we're gonna be full steam 2022 like we talked about on the pod we got some great emmy nominees i think our picks i actually think our picks are on point this year i think actually our picks are gonna be emmy nominated we're award nominated our picks i don't think we're that off this year so i'm feeling feeling pretty good about our picks yeah yeah i think you know what maybe 
And I've been thinking, I don't know about you think about this, Chris, but like when you do this podcast and you work around media long enough, even just paying attention like we do, I feel like it takes a couple of years and we kind of up to speed. And now mm-hmm. we're like kind of like abreast of all like the things that actually might get nominated. So I think that our picks are kind of rocking and rolling. So uh, everyone out there, pay attention to the podcast or you're going to be left in the dust, bro. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Exactly. Get on this podcast now. Um, all right, folks. Well, that'll do it for us this week, but you can catch us next week and the week after on here on Desperately Entertainment. But have a great new year. Thank you again, and we'll, we'll see you in 2022, folks.